Brother Reuben and believing for a miracle. You know, Mary is an ordained minister of the gospel, and she just does a phenomenal job. And I encourage you to join her on Wednesday nights here at 630 as she teaches, teaches on the power of prayer, teaches how to pray, teaches what the Holy Spirit has deposited into her life each week, a fresh word, and she comes and delivers that word and then leads you in prayer. So it's practical application. You know, sometimes people will say, I don't know how to pray. Or maybe they came from a background where all they knew was memorized prayers. But we don't have to say memorized prayers. We can, but we don't have to. Because we have such a relationship with God that we can talk directly to him. Tell him our needs. Tell him our concerns. Pour out our hearts. And so I encourage you to come and connect together. And it's not just a time to learn how to pray. It's a time to go to war in the spirit. And so uh, she will lead you in that. We've got a powerful team of faithful ones who come and who are connected with her for this uh, ministry, and we appreciate it. Some of you, we know it's not possible due to your work schedule or where you live. It's, you live far away, but we know that you're praying there at home, and we're coming to you live from our church on Wednesday nights. Tuesday night, we have a broadcast at 7, and Wednesday night, we come from our church in Gonzales at 7 o'clock with an actual service there. So, we encourage you to get connected. You know, it's important so that we can grow in God. We don't want to be stagnant because really there's no such thing as being stagnant spiritually. If you start to think you're stagnant, you're actually going backwards. You're retreating. It's a constant, constant growth, constant growth. So we are believing God for you and for yours for great things to happen. We'll worship the Lord in just a few moments with our giving, but before we do, I'll mention a few announcements, and I just want to say, I was, I, I was looking at the worship team, and I said, wow, they're all wearing fall colors. Did I miss the memo? I missed out. I don't match them, but they looked so beautiful up here, and then I noticed the colors that Anita was wearing. And she had on such a beautiful outfit of red, white, and blue. And I thought, how appropriate is that? Because today is 9-11. It's Patriots Day. And the enemy said that we would never forget. I mean, that we would soon forget. I'm sorry. But we've declared we will never forget. He, he tried to say we would forget. But we will never forget the price that was paid. First of all, I said this in the earlier service this morning, and I think I said it wrong there too, but anyway, I said in the earlier service this morning that um, freedom is never free. There's always a price that's paid. And as believers, the ultimate sacrifice that we reflect on and we are so ever grateful for is the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior laying down his life for the remission of our sins. He didn't have to do it, but he paid the debt that he did not owe so that you and I could have freedom. And, and we want to, on this day, to honor the memory of those whose lives were taken on 9-11. And we once again declare that we are a nation that in God we trust. 
and we claim and we prophesy and we decree a great revival is coming to this land irregardless of the rise in the satanic agendas that we see and, and the, any other agenda politically or elsewhere that we're seeing out there, we rise above that in the name of Jesus. This is a nation that God has blessed. And we have sowed, and based upon his word, we will reap a great harvest. God's got great days ahead for us. Amen. And I'm excited about it. I have anticipation in my spirit, but I'm not stopping my war. We can't stop our war. We've got to continue to fight this fight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody sent me a video yesterday of the... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that. I might get, kick, get us kicked off on, online. But uh, the Bible says, know those that labor among you. So some of the political people... They're not following the God that we follow. There's been some new ones set in place this week. And we need to recognize their agenda, recognize what's going on, and we take a stand for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're reaching so many people online. I don't want to do the wrong thing and get us kicked off till we get on some of these other networks or whatever they're called, these platforms that where they won't have control and we can say everything we want to say and bring forth the truth of the word of God. Amen. And that's what we want to do, but we don't want to do anything to hinder the ability that we have right now to touch souls. So bear with me. I'm just having a moment because it's Patriots Day and thinking about our nation. And I will never forget, I will never forget the price that was paid. Amen? This, uh, not tomorrow, but next Monday, we have our um, September Unlocked Leadership Ladies Luncheon. It will be in Gonzales at Mike Anderson's. Ladies, if you want to join us, go ahead and make that um, reservation as soon as possible. We've been having an amazing time at these meetings. It's been awesome. Every one visitors have been coming to, and it's just been, it's been really amazing to connect with other ladies who are like-minded, love the Lord, but they're driven for success. Right here in this building on October the 8th, we're going to have a ladies' luncheon here, Saturday, October the 8th. And um, the Final contract is not signed, but it appears that it will be um, uh, catered by Zia's restaurant. We catered to them for our Christmas banquet last year, and it was absolutely delicious. And so we're going to have a luncheon here that the price will be uh, $30 a person, and we're having like a little... Uh, uh, a lot of ministry we're going to power pack into just a short segment of time. Dr. Tracy Mitchell will be ministering, and she will also minister the next day on Sunday in our services. So we'd love for you ladies to make plans to come. Registration for that will open soon, and when it does, we want you to go online and buy your tickets. That way we know exactly how much food to order, and we can be prepared adequately for that event. 
And our Fall Fest, we have a, rented a place in Prairieville called Jump and Jive. It's a really awesome place. We'd love for you to come, bring your family, bring your kids, October the 31st from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, and we will gather together with Christians, amen, on the day the Lord has made that the devil tried to take. And, and we're going to have a great time. So we'd love for you to come and connect with us for that. And uh, at this time, Pastor Josh is coming. Good morning. All right. Well, we're going to have to get on Rumble and other sites because the gospel is going to become increasingly biblical, which becomes increasingly a threat to this world system. So I'm just telling you the truth, and I don't believe Facebook has much of a future, I'm just going to tell you. Their days are numbered, and Twitter is probably bankrupt, and you'll see it soon enough. So things are changing in the social media realm. So as it does, the church adopt, uh, adapts and moves forward. Amen? Amen. You know, God, I said this years ago in this house, and I was reminded of it this morning as Pastor Bev and I were talking on the way to service. Every time a revival comes, God always releases new technologies before that revival hits. I can go all the way back to the Gutenberg printing press. Come on. Because God gave Martin Luther, come on, a, a, a revelation that salvation didn't exist in a religious denomination. Salvation existed through faith in Jesus Christ. And how sad would it have been if the Gutenberg printing press was not invented so that he could take all his sermons and the 91 theses and start to transcript the Bible in the common day German language and have that mass printed so that all the world could read the gospel and it start to go forth. Come on. And so the printing press came first, and I guess it was roughly 25 years later than that happened, and then it sparked the birth of the Protestant movement. I believe that we're seeing technologies, but I believe we're going to see even greater technologies released. Listen, we have some cool things, but it's nothing to what's coming because the Word of God says that all the world will see. Come on. When the two prophets are killed in the street... And they've been dead laying there for three days, and they're going to rise up and get back up. He said all the world will see. Well, how can all the world see? It's going to be instantaneous. There's going to be something that's going to be released that we can reach billions of people at one time. And so I believe that God is strategically aligning things. And listen, he uses everybody. Come on. It doesn't matter if they're righteous or not. He used Pharaoh. Come on. To bless the people of God. He hardened their heart and then he hurt him so bad that Pharaoh was willing to give away everything he owned to get these people away from me. Come on. And we're coming into a day where the church is going to be so powerful. Come on, so filled of the Holy Spirit that we can't be bought by this world, that the world's going to give us everything so that you would just leave us alone. I have been studying, well, I didn't talk to y'all because I wasn't here last week, but man, I've been having, listen, I shared this Wednesday night, I'll share this with you real quick and then I'll get in the message. I have never, we have all heard the voice of the enemy at nighttime, yes? 
or most of us, I should say, you have heard the voice and the lies and the whisper of demons that try to come and irritate you. But last Friday and then last Tuesday, I heard a voice so big, I woke up telling Beth, I'm not hearing demonic spirits, I'm hearing demonic giants. And I thought about that because I was just irritated. And the only thing I could do was I got up at 4.30 and I just started to read the word. Because I said, i got to get up at work in the morning. God, God, I need sleep. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't turn it off. I just kept hearing voices, 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 voices. And I started reading the word. And after about 30 minutes, you know, peace just fell. And I fell back to sleep. And I got up and I said, wait a minute. You know your Bible. Every time promotion comes, giants come on the scene first. I'm going to tell you, because when David was getting ready to go in the palace, come on, a giant named Goliath came on the scene. And when Joshua and Caleb were sent out with the 12 spies, they were giants in the land. Listen to me. When giants show up, it is time for you to fight. It is time for promotion, and it is time for the land, come on, that God has promised you. This is what happens when giants show up. He doesn't remove the giants. Come on, he strengthens you so that you can deal with the giant in the land, so that you don't have to deal with any other principalities, powers, rulers, and, uh, you know, in wicked places. And I believe that the church is in a place where there have been giants speaking, almost as if Goliath has been taunting the church over the last year, two years, come out and fight me. Come out and fight me. Who's going to fight me? I'll shut you down again, church. I will take you, I will take you off the air. Giants have been talking. But it doesn't take a giant to face them. It takes a little boy with faith. To knock them down. And so I believe in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm, uh, God has highlighted this to me, and I'm studying this deep, very deep. I'm going to share just a portion of that with you today. But it says Judah was invaded. Judah means praise. We are the Judah church, or praise church. We are a people of praise. And I'm going to probably at some point in the soon teach this whole chapter. But for today, I want to leave this with you. Jehoshaphat was king at the time. I'll read two parts to you real quick. Verse number 17, he's talking about all the enemies, and they were coming against them. They were coming against them. He gathered the people. In verse 17, he says, You need not fight this battle. Come on, there's some times when we have to fight, but there's some times when God is going to fight for us. And I believe that we're in that season where God is raising up his people. You need not fight this battle, but station yourselves. Come on, get on your post and stand. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah, O people of praise. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. You know what Jerusalem means in the Hebrew? It means city of peace. Come on. We are supposed to be a people that praise their God that lives in a city of peace. Period. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have peace in the areas in which I dwell. Come on. I'm going to have peace in my home. I'm going to have peace in the job. Come on. Have a peace in our churches. We're going to have peace. It says, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out and face them. 
for the Lord is with you. Now I'm going to skip down. We're going to get into this. And it says, they rose early. This is verse 20. They rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tokyo. And then when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, for you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and you will succeed. And here I want to read verse 21 and 22. This is what's important. And when he had consulted with his people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and praised him in holy attire. He put together a choir. Come on, he didn't put together more men. He put together a choir that sang unto the Lord in holy attire. And as they went out before the army, he didn't send the army first. He sent the praisers first. Come on. As they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord. This is what they were seeing. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes. Come on. For the sons of Ammonai, Moab, Mount Seir, and all who had come against Judah, for they were so routed. Listen to me. When your praise goes forth, God will set up ambushes, set up traps, set up snares for your enemy. And so this morning, while we were worshiping, and we're about to give and worship, but while we were worshiping, we wasn't just singing songs in the air. The Word of God says that the, the, you know, the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. So you know what? I want you to start to get a mindset that when we're in a corporate, come on, we've got the choir up here. Come on, we've got the worship people up here. And it's going before the Word. And we're singing and praising. God and His Spirit is hovering over this place. And He starts to move down. And He starts to breathe and live among His people that as we're praising Him. Worship is powerful. Praise is powerful. And I just love that because you know what? Sometimes in a war, you say, no, let's send the army out. He said, no, let's send the worshipers out first. If the ushers would come. You know, this morning, I'm still learning a lot as a dad. <laughs> You're always learning as a dad. And I, you know... Bo was so upset because he couldn't give in the offering this morning. I'm like, wow. So I had to hurry up and find money to give in the offering. And, you know, on the way over here, I'm like, son, I'm so proud of you. It blesses me so much that you want to give to God. So he's got his envelope right now. He's given twice today. He's ready. He understands how to give and to honor God at five and, it, and I said, son, it blesses me so much that you want to give to God. As a father, I can't answer any more of this. And he said, yeah, dad, and we can give to Jesus too. <laughs> so as we give to God and Jesus, and go ahead and just throw in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Honor him today. Amen. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord, that this morning, in this setting, in this time, in this day that you have ordained, our worship was pleasing unto you. And Lord, now as we come to worship you with finance, Lord, may it be pleasing unto your heart, just as Abel was accepted. Lord, may you accept all that we bring to you today. We give you all praise and glory and honor. 
as you bring your gift forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Interesting to say the least. And uh, I believe that there's a mandate for believers to allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life on a level that, that uh, we have never encountered as individuals yet. And by doing so, we're having to, to, um, to study, we're having to develop a prayer life and a relationship with the Lord. The word tells us that when Jesus comes into your heart, that not only he, but he and his father comes in and makes an abode within you, comes and lives inside. And the emphasis on the Holy Spirit before Jesus was resurrected, he tells the disciples, go and, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power. Now, when you look at that, it's really unknown to them what this power is and how do we receive that. He just said, go and tarry, go and wait. And so it was an opportunity for 500 to receive that. Only 120 chose to stay, which tells us that majority of people don't have time, don't have time for God. We have time for everything else, but we have little time for God, which is a major mistake in our life because as much as we, we are exposed to the media, if you're watching television more than you're spending with God, there's a problem. 
if you're watching your favorite newscaster more than you're praying, could be a problem. So my, my, my thoughts here today is to move us to a place where that we discipline ourselves, that we structure in our life a time to spend with God, to have a relationship with him. This is not about religion. It's about a relationship. Religion, religion is really just a sign that says Jesus this way. But when you meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, your life should change. And then when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you should change even more. You should change even more. So as we're studying and looking at the book of Acts, we begin to find that there were some crazy things that were happening that would make you stand back and scratch your head and, and say, what just happened? You know, when Jesus was, was um, ministering to the people, the word says that he fed 5,000 men alone. And then he sent his disciples to go in the boat and launch out to the other side. And then we find Jesus meeting with the people that he just fed. And then he goes up into a high place into the mountains and begin to pray. And the next step, we see him walking on the water. And the disciples are, are, are saying, is this is a phantom that's walking on the water. This is a ghost that's out here. And, and uh, these were not um, uh, sissies that was out there. These were men's men. They were tough. Seamen, they were uh, in, on the water all the time, and or they were, and then now they're out launching this boat out, and a storm comes, and Jesus begins to to appear before them, and and Peter says, "Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. If that's you, bid me to come out on the water." And Peter Peter stepped out of the boat, and a lot of people degrade Peter and say, well, he should have never taken his eyes off of Jesus, which is right. But what about the rest of the disciples that didn't get out of the boat? I think that's where we need to start focusing because you, you really, we really need to take a step towards God. In fact, the word says when we draw closer to him, we draw nigh to him, he'll draw closer to us. And so many of the disciples were still sitting in the boat watching this event that was happening and Peter steps out on the water, and sure enough, he gets his eyes off of the Lord and begins to sink, and then the word tells us that Jesus reached down and picked him up. I don't know what you're going through today or what's taking place in your life, but if you, if you start stepping towards Christ, he'll pick you up. Amen. He'll pick you up. You need to start stepping towards him and uh, let, letting him be God in your life. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 19. We see some interesting things taking place in this book. We're finding Paul is now demonstrating the power of God that's on him as a result of, of uh, taking handkerchiefs or napkins or pieces of clothing and, and sending it with others to lay on others. And the word says that they were healed. And then, and then it also says in there that those that were oppressed by the devil, 
that the devil left them when they put the napkin or the handkerchief on them. Now, my thoughts as we begin to read this or look at it, I want you to look at this thing and say, when the Holy Ghost comes on me, there should be power. I think we as a church have put too much emphasis just on the speaking in tongues and not realizing that's only a manifestation of what's in you. When, when I look at Moses, Moses had a, a calling card, if you will, and it was the rod. God said to him, what do you have in your hand? He says, a, a rod. And he says, throw it on the ground, and, the, and the, the rod became a serpent. Moses split. I'd have been like Moses, man. I, I, you put a, a snake appears there, I'm, I'm out of here, man. And uh, God had to call him back and say, catch him by the tail and pick him up. When he reached out and grabbed him by the tail, it became a rod again. God was preparing him for a great ministry, the demonstration as a result of the rod. Was the power in the rod or was the rod just a representation of the power that was in the man? You know, you, you, can go to, you can go to the store and you can buy you a dress or you can buy you a suit. If you're a woman, hopefully you're buying the dress. And if you're a man, you're going to be buying the suit. <laughs> and, ain't no confusion in here. You know, I mean, I can tell you what a woman is. I can tell you what a man is. You know, I just say, it ain't no confusion here. You know, we got a lot of confusion in this world. But, but it, it's, not, it's not the suit that makes the man. It's the man that makes the suit. It wasn't the rod that made Moses. It was what was on Moses that caused the rod to begin to do, just as the, the handkerchief was not was not where the healing power was. It came from the man that carried the healing power. That makes sense here. So, so what we want as individuals is we want a relationship with God ourselves, and not have some type of something that is off of someone else. I can't get to heaven based upon my mom and my dad's relationship with God. The only way that I can get there is my relationship with God. Am I making any sense here? So I can't go in on the skirt tails of my mom or, 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 or my dad holding my hand to come into heaven. Every individual has to make a decision what they're going to follow, who they're going to follow, how they're going to live. And so... We want a relation, I want a relationship with God that when I stand before him, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The, the, one, of the, one of the most um, bothering, uh, I know I'm tearing grammar up here, I know the, the most bothering statement that's in the word of God for me is for it to say, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, I want God to know who I am. You say, well, he knows all of his children. Well, okay. Then, then why is it that, that, that in, the, in that judgment that there are people that come before him and he says, depart from me, I never knew you, and they're, and they're standing there and say, wait, wait just a minute, God. We cast out devils in your name and we heal the sick in your name. 
And then he reiterates, depart from me, I never knew you. Which you can't, you can't operate in healing or in casting devils out unless there is some relationship that you have with God, which tells us that those people must have had a relationship with God at one time, but now have drifted away to where that God doesn't know them anymore. You know, anybody had a, a class reunion recently? Anybody in here? Uh, okay, none of y'all been to school or... Uh, <laughs> class reunions many times end up is that you know a person how they were back then, but they're not the person that they used to be. So you really don't know them anymore, you know? We had somebody came to me, call, called and said, hey, you know me. Okay, I know of you, but I really don't know you, you know? And, and this is what we're talking about here. I want to get to a place where that, that, um, that there's no doubt, no, no, error. There's nothing in between that would cause him to say, uh, I never knew you. You're going to have to get out of here. I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, 19. Let's go there. I'll get my, my little computer going here. We find, we find that in verse one, we, we see there's a um, it, it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through uh, the upper coast, uh, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? It's an interesting, interesting statement that, that as the disciples are coming through or as Paul is going through, he's asking the different ones, have you received the Holy Ghost? Since you, since you believed in Christ, have you received the Holy Ghost? And, and they said unto him, we have not so, uh, not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. So there's, there's three different baptisms in the scripture. One is the baptism in Christ, the baptism in, in repentance, and baptism in water up until this point, and then you begin to find that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they're talking and t back, and they're saying, hey, we don't even know whether there is a Holy Ghost. We've never heard of this before. So what we've done is we've been baptized according to John, and said, and, and said Paul, John verily baptized of, of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which came after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard these, this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul had laid his hands upon them. Now, just pay attention real quickly in what, how it's saying, what it's saying here. And Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So not only were they speaking in tongues, but here they are prophesying. Prophecy... Prophecy is not something that is about right now. We use a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom in the right now or, or in the past. But prophecy is about the future. So these now that are, have received the Holy Ghost are now speaking in tongues, but now they're also prophesying about an event coming in the future. Everybody tracking with me here? 
So when the Holy Ghost comes on us or on you as an individual, it brings you into a place spiritually where you're able to see things you've never seen before, to do things you've never done before. And so here they are, they're prophesying. You remember, you remember when Saul went amongst the, the, the group of prophets that was coming out of the mountain from prayer? And when he, when he gathered with them, when he was introduced to them, when he met them on the trail, he began to prophesy, which was a moment in his life where that he's now king, but now God's wanting to bring him to become prophet also. But he's now, now refusing. He enters into that dimension, but he doesn't stay in that dimension. So you can step in and you can step out of the things of God as you will to. We need to have the will to stay in the things that God has for us and not be distracted. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost uh, came on them and they all spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. So here they are, 12 people here. And he lays hands on them and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost, they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and he went into the synagogues and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were, ha were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that that was before the multitude, he departed from them and separated his disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. Let me tell you, show you what's happening. He's going into the synagogue and now he's teaching and he's disputing heresy. He's, he's now dealing with situations that should not be. Now, people came against him, so he now goes and rents a building for two years. And for two years, he's teaching four hours a day, six days a week, disputing the religious model to bring people into a relationship with God like they have never had before, to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to operate in their life to change a world. How many of you think we need some change in this world? How many of you believe we've lost some territory over the past century? We've lost a lot of territory. We've, we've given up a lot. We, we have gone to sleep, and while we were sleeping, thinking everything's going to be all right and going to be the same when we wake up, uh, things came in and began to steal, steal from us. And now we're having to climb up a hill to try to take territory back. So in our own power, we can't do these things. Now, the word tells us faith without works is dead. So we have to put our feet in our hands to doing something to bring change. But, but I, can't, I can't do it in my own power. I, I really need the Holy Spirit power in my life to help me along the way. Making sense. The whole book of Acts is dealing with that. It, they come out of the upper room in Acts chapter 2. They were all filled with, with the Holy Spirit and with power. And the word says, and the church was added to daily. People were converted by what was being demonstrated and what was being taught. So they now come out with, the, with a, a, the Holy Spirit upon their life. They're out there teaching. They're, they're discussing things, and people are being converted. 
not just from what they were teaching and what they were discussing, but they were also operating in miracles and healings uh, to the point where that the apostles' shadows as they passed over people were healing people. Now, we haven't seen, we haven't seen a move of God to that degree. In our lifetime, we haven't seen that. We have seen bits and pieces of things. We hear stories about John G. Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, all these different ones that were filled with the Holy Spirit. One story sticks out to me that uh, with John G. Lake, when, when uh, the bubonic plague broke out and, and, and they asked for volunteers to come and help uh, uh, clean up the streets and move the bodies and help bury them and John G. Lake and his Dutch associate, according to the writing, his Dutch associate went in to help, and they gave them uniforms. They gave him, gave him uh, uh, things to, to wear, apparel to wear, and they didn't wear it. And then they asked him, well, why is it that you're not getting sick? And, and John G. Lake says, I'm not subject to the law of sin and death. But, but <laughs> And then he begins to speak to them, you know, and, and telling them what's causing him not to get sick. And so they brought him in. And they, in an aquarium, they had this disease uh, that they brought from the foam that was in the lungs of a dead individual and brought that foam in and put it under a microscope and begin to see the activity of the bubonic plague. And, and he comes in and he sticks his hand into the aquarium where the bubonic plague is and under the microscope, they saw as he placed his hand in there that plague died under the microscope. I remember not very long ago, we had a gentleman come in and, and we were bringing him to uh, a hotel to, uh, to lodge there. He was a speaker we had and, and uh, we would give him the keys. We checked him in, give him the keys and he would take it, go to the room. He said, man, I, my key is, is not working. So after a couple of times of going back and forth to the desk, he said, don't, don't give me the key. Give it to my assistant here because the power of God that's on my life demagnetizes that electronic key. <laughs> he came in the service and he says, okay, he said, there are things that are happening in here. He says, I if I was you, I would turn your cameras off because the power of God is moving in such a way that in services before, the tubes that were in the cameras, and back then it was the three tubes that was in cameras, uh, he said, they'll burst. We saw lights burst. We, we had the fire department show up, and we didn't even have a fire alarm at the church. They said, we got a call. There's a fire in the building. No, there was no fire in the building. The presence of God was in the building. There was a fire, but it wasn't a natural fire. It was the presence of God that came in. Now, these are just little stories that I could tell you firsthand uh, uh, that when I'd call uh, to call, I'd ask to be dispatched to the, his room to tell him I would be downstairs to pick him up. And before I could even say hello, he'd say, Garland, I'll be down in just a second. You know, uh, I'm talking to Bishop Mark Sharon and, and he's telling me that people in Ghana are having to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that when someone comes walking in the door because there's such uh, uh, oppression or or people attacking believers that they know the person by name when they walk in. And it's not from a natural source. They know them by the spirit so they can know what is just come into the room. Are they enemies or their friends? Right. You know, just to protect their own lives, they've had to walk into that, into that place. Now, I, I'm saying this because when we're looking at the book of Acts, 
We're seeing such supernatural events that are taking place in Paul and Peter and different ones' lives of, uh, of God working and operating through their life that the power of God was very evident, very evident in their life. Let's, let's read on a little bit further here. And uh, where did I leave off at? Are y'all paying attention in here? Okay, verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years so that all uh, they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jew and Greek. This is not to say that Paul went to every one of them, but what was happening, the people that were coming to his meetings in these two years of four hours of teaching every day, Monday through, through Saturday, is now being dispersed out through all Asia. And people are being converted because people are being changed in these meetings and, and now they're going out telling their story and people are being changed by what they're telling. And God wrought special miracles, verse 11, by the hands of Paul. Special miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, I want to I start looking at this here because I believe that in the times that we're in, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You've got every psychic and, and tea leaf reader and everything else that's in tune with a spirit, but not the spirit of God. They're dealing with familiar spirits. So verse 12, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and the disease departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Let's stop here just for a moment. What this word is saying is that Paul's handkerchief that he wiped the sweat or he blew his nose in. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to be real with what was taking place. People came and placed a demand and he says, look, I can't go but here, take this and go put it on the body. Go put it on them. And the representation of the calling card of Paul was his handkerchief. For Moses, it was a rod. When they took that from his body and laid it on the individual, the word says here that disease departed from them. Next part here is, and evil spirits went out of them. Are you telling me that a handkerchief has the power to cast out a devil? It's not in the power of the handkerchief. The handkerchief came from the body of Paul, which carried the presence of God. Now, let's stretch just a little bit here. Because when we're looking at this, Paul was walking in such a dimension of the spirit that the things of the spirit got off of him and on his clothes. Is that possible? All right. Let's go back to the Old Testament and begin to look at Moses. He, he gets in the presence of God. He says, I want to see you face to face. God says to him, you can't handle it right now, but what I will do 
is let you see the, my hinder parts. It doesn't talk about his backside. It's talking about the glory that was following after him. So, so Moses now has an encounter with God and comes out from the mountain, goes down to meet with his people. His brother Aaron turned and ran from him. And the word says because beams of light shone from his skin from being in the presence of God. Okay, if beams of light can come from his skin, then what was it in Paul that caused those beams to get into his handkerchief? Are you tracking with me here? That a person that knew someone that had a disease that Paul could not go to could take that handkerchief and go lay it on them and cause a miracle to take place. These are... These are special miracles that were worked by the hands of Paul. Why? Because Paul had gotten into such a relationship with God that his whole body permeated the presence of God. So my challenge for you and for me is to become hungry for this type of relationship with God. That his presence that is in us can get on our clothes. Come on. Some of you looking at me and you're saying, I'm getting it. And some of you looking at me like, what you talking about, Willis? So as they placed the handkerchief or aprons, when I, when I was researching this, the aprons, they referred to the girdle that was about Paul when he was building tents. The handkerchief was referred to like sweatbands that would keep the sweat out of his eyes. Yeah, you've seen these sweatbands on your wrist, sweatbands on your head. And these were the, what he would take off as he would begin to minister. Still building tents. All this is going on, but yet the power of God was working in him to the point that it got in his clothes. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having some hard time looking at this picture. But yet on the other side, it's not that hard to look at. In my natural man, I, I can't see it. But when the spirit begins to stir, it's challenging me to move to a place where that I can do that. The word says that God's no respecter of persons. The, the, only, the, only, you know, uh, the only difference between the rich and the poor is a decision. Let me say that again. The only, only difference between those that have and those that have not is a decision. You say, well, uh, you know, 
I'm not making a decision. No, you've made a decision not to make a decision. So you become complacent. You're settled. You're, you're, you're there. You know, the only difference between Paul and Peter and John and the various different ones of John G. Lake in our lifetime and, and, and Smith Wigglesworth, A.A. Allen, uh, Allen in our lifetime is a decision. I have to make a decision what I'm going to walk, where I'm going to go. I have to make a decision whether I'm going to be wealthy or not wealthy. Am I making any sense? I know I don't have much sense, but am I making any sense? Let's look at this a little bit further because I think it gets pretty interesting in this here. He says, and, and, the, and the evil spirits went out of them, and then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. It's not what we preach, but it's what Paul preaches. So you have certain exorcists, you have certain ones that, that, that now called people together and they're saying, hey, you know what? Paul is doing some stuff here that some, some phenomenal things that are happening and, and, and we, if we could do this, we really could make some money on this. This is what's happening. Let me tell you, you, you don't make money off of what God's given to you. You just be it. Am I making any sense here? So here they've called these people together and, and now they're wanting to go out and do what Paul was doing. They're preaching the gospel or they're preaching Christ that Paul preaches. So they, they must have listened to his messages but did not receive. Now look, he says, they're going, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches and there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests which did so. Now it's getting a little bit confusing in, a, in some ways. Confusing from the point that these guys should have known better than what they were doing. But they did it anyway. This is a, this is a sad, sad thing because I see this all the time. I see people go to church and they learn how to function in the church, but there's no relationship with God. They're going through the motions. They've been taught when to say hallelujah. They've been taught when to say amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> They've been taught how to act in the church, but there's no relationship. And so these guys have come and now they've been taught, but they don't take the teaching to change their life. They take the teaching just to operate and to do what other people were doing. But when you get down to the spiritual aspect of it, and now you're having to deal with devils. 
Now you find the difference between boys and men. You find the difference between those that can handle and those that can't. And so in this story, we begin to find those that can't. We find a demonstration that just from the handkerchief of one man, people are being set free from evil spirits. But now you have seven men that have come together and not a one of them can handle a spirit that they're trying to exercise from somebody and this spirit jumps on them. And there were seven of the sons of one Sceva, a Jew, a chief of the priest, which did so. And evil spirits answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. I'm going to stop right here. Because in the Greek, it begins to define I know in two different forms. So when he says, Jesus, I know, and we're talking about spirits that knew Christ from the beginning and understands his power, his authority, his royalty, understands everything about him almost to an intimate understanding. But when it refers to, and Paul, I know, they're saying, from this aspect, we really don't know Paul like we know Christ. But the only reason that we know of Paul and know about Paul is because he is in Christ and Christ is in him. So the only relationship we have with Paul and understanding is the Christ that's in him. So yeah, we know Christ, we know Jesus, and we know Paul. Uh, it's a whole different story here now because when you start understanding what it's laying out here, it's saying that the devil can know you and know you. Paul was in an exceptional individual. It wasn't that Paul was a, 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 a different kind of person that came into the world and, and, and had no temptation. Paul was killing Christians. And then, then he gets knocked off of his beast and the word says he went totally blind. The light shined and he went blind. And Ananias says, hey, Paul, I want you to, Saul, I want you to come into my house. He was fearful because he talked to the Lord and said, isn't he the one that's killing, killing Christians and you, you want me to bring him in my house? Come on. And, and the Lord says, it's okay, Ananias, he's blind. He can't see where you are. If it's any consolation, I'm just adding that. It's just a joke, yeah, okay? So, so Ananias takes him in, and for three, three and a half years, he's in, he's in Ananias' house. And if it wasn't for Ananias and the Holy Ghost, he would have still been blind. But Ananias yielded himself to the Holy Spirit and began to speak to Paul and scales fell off of his eyes and he was able to see things he'd never seen before. The word says in John, 3rd John, I believe it is, it says, we have heard the word. I think that Paul had to hear the word, hear it from a perspective that he had never been taught. If you look at the history of Paul, his father was a high priest. Paul was an attorney. He was, he was well-schooled in the schooling that he was in. But yet we find deception came in 
and he begins to kill the believers that are now deviating from a religious sect and moving into a place of relationship. Isn't it interesting, from the beginning of Acts chapter 2, I mean the end of Acts chapter 2, how it was the religious crowd was the one that was accusing them of being off base. And then got the government involved in it to lock them up, to beat them, to destroy them. Let me tell you something. There are things that are going on right now in the spirit realm and in the religious realm that there are people that are trying to join hands with with, with uh, other religions that don't profess Jesus Christ to be Lord. I'm not talking about joining hands with the Baptist, Presbyterian, the Methodist, the Catholic. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about joining hands with those that, that are, are worshiping and serving another God. And, and our government now has brought them in to get advice from them of how we can have a one world church or a church that is under the government in America. This is where we're headed. This is where we're leaning. This is what, what's going on in these, these counselors of ministers. I'm talking about pastors. I'm talking about pastors that you have read their books. Uh, if you look at this from, from one standpoint, you're like, I don't understand anything that's going on. But then you look at it from another perspective and you see Baal bringing paganism back into, back into a nation that has declared uh, 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 Christ to be, be Christian. And now we've got a, a president that gets up and says we're, we're no longer a Christian nation and declared that from the seat of authority over the nation. And demons begin to come in and rush in because, because of the authority that was here. Now we're having to deal with Baal worship. And, we, and, and not, not just Baal worship, but, but the symbolism of, of Baal worship was set up in New York and different places in our nation. And we're saying, and, and, and the church, the average church has got its head in the sand, not knowing what's going on and not seeing anything in the realms of the spirit to understand what has been loosed on our nation. Oh, we have cute little messages about Leviathan and Leviathan is choking, choking people out. And, and it's, and, but we got Baal worship that is trying to bring uh, things into our world. They're not worried about us adults. They're after our children. Why, why is it such a big deal about uh, 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 Roe versus Wade? Because it's about the children. It's about our children. It's about the offspring. It's about, oh my goodness. And so, so when we're looking at these things, and, and then we look at we're the 21st century, we need to go back to the first century church and, and, and to make the changes we need to make, we need to have the Holy Ghost power within us. That whatever words we have to say become weighty. Hey, how many times have you talked to somebody and you've given them a, a verse, you've given them a scripture, you've given them a, a word, and there's no change to take place, but you let the Holy Spirit get a hold of you, and now you begin to speak with authority from the standpoint of the Holy Ghost, and now you're speaking words that are weighty. They're, they have weight to them. They have importance to them, and, and it changes somebody's life. The, the word tells us, for these light afflictions are only for a moment, but they're 
working in us for a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. The glory of God is heavy, folks. And for us to move into that place, we we need to start uh, studying the Word so we can know what the Word says. So we can discern the spirits that are around us. It's not enough just to operate in gifts. You need to be grounded in the word to operate in gifts. And so, Paul, Paul we know, but who are you? Jesus we know. Paul we know. We we have no recollection of who you are because we don't see any evidence of what Paul has in him and what Jesus portrays we don't see it in you, so who are you? Now you got these seven young men that are standing there trying to cast this devil out in their home. <laughs> you know, after the question that a devil says, who are you? Pay attention to what happens next. <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now I'm going to tell you, there had to be a fight going on in there. Wounding is one thing, but stripping them down buck naked, seven of them, there had to be a fight going on. There had to be something happening in that, in that house that caused them, and I think one by one, as soon as they got loose and, and, and it jumped on somebody else, they said, I'm out of here, man. I'm and, and naked or not naked, I'm running out. And, and, and then this is what, what the Word says. This is, this is, if you don't think the, the Word of God is funny or, or amusing, you're missing it. it. It says here, they ran out of the house naked and wounded, and this was known to all the Jews and Greek also dwelling at Ephesus. So the word spread about the streakers. It spread. Come on. Somebody comes streaking down your street and you out cutting the grass or going to get your mail from the mailbox? You're you going to get on your phone. Baby. Let me tell you something just happened in my house. I was going to the mailbox. I reached in to get my check, and I looked up. So no wonder the word got out of all of Ephesus, all all the Jews, all the Greeks dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Why was the name of the Lord Jesus magnified? Because they saw that there was no power in anything else but Jesus. You got seven sons of Sceva that was approved by people. A chief priest called him in and said, go exercise this over here. Y'all go, go cast this devil out of this man. Go to his house. And then what happens later? All of the Jews and the Greeks of Ephesus knew what had happened. Boy, there was some talking going on in that community. You think New Orleans talks bad. 
And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It didn't just grow. It prevailed. Oh, if you can look at the word of God and just get it in you, you're going to prevail. Amen. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Amen. An enemy comes in one way. He's going to split out seven different directions when he comes in and deals with you. Why? Because of the word of God and the presence of Christ that is inside of you. So you can be named amongst Paul. Jesus we know. Paul we know. And fill in the blank who you are. He wants to know you too. Not the authority we've got. We, if we just understood it, the authority that we can have by following after what Christ's words say will change you completely. I don't have to rely on another source. I don't have to call for, for uh, other sources to interfere or to come into my life. I've got one source. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. His Father lives within me. When I ask Jesus to come in, the Word says that He and His Father made an abode within me. But Jesus says before He ascended, He says, go and tarry until you've been endued with power from on high, until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you receive the Holy Ghost, which tells us that we need what Jesus was walking with when he was walking in this earth. We need the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you're just walking blindly. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you're trying to do things in your own power and you'll never get it done. You'll never be able to go to the places you need to go, do the things you need to do, have the things you need to have if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody says, well, I got the latest car. I got the latest gift. I got the latest house. I've got all the renovations. I've got all the furniture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're confronted with demonic powers, you have the power to overcome every demonic spirit that would come against you. I'm talking about in a world that we're living in that is so confused, it's upside down. It don't know how to describe a woman, don't know how to describe a man, don't know how to interact with, with itself, much less interact with somebody else. When you're dealing with those situations and those spirits, God will give you the power to overcome. Yes. I appreciate those that are watching online and appreciate your time that you're spending with us and we love you and appreciate what's going on in your life. And I believe that God has some great things in store for each of you. And I want to challenge you as you're watching to let the Holy Spirit come into your life and make the change that you need in your life to give you the power to overcome every obstacle that would come your way. Just reach out to him right now. He'll meet you right where you are. And as we go offline, you can go back and watch this again, or you can go and watch our archives at Praise Church of Louisiana and, uh, .com and, and get familiar with us. If you want to give, you can give there also. 
We love you and appreciate what God's doing in your life and believe God's got some great things in store for you. So until next time, we'll see you again.